This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Justin. Yeah. I was wondering what you thought about uh, at the advent of, of predictive AI, especially uh, like you, you didn't predict that uh, Terminator would be as bad as you thought it was. And, you know, for those of you who did not hear it, we uh, just did an amazing spoiled review of uh, Terminator Dark Fate. Yeah. But uh, you, you didn't predict that it was going to be that bad, did you? No, 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 I did. I, I failed. I failed to predict that. And I wish I had because I could have saved myself, you know, two hours and, and some money yeah. maybe. Some popcorn and and uh, because because there's uh, there's a lot of technology out there and you could you could uh, predict a lot of things with that. Like I I could predict, for instance, that you're going to uh, probably drink a a coffee and uh, drink a monster energy drink probably Uh, before before. Like now, you're probably That's funny because right I'm, I'm drinking one right now. That's so strange. See, see, and I, I, I can tell you that uh, AI would uh, would do that better. In fact, I will tell you this: we have a guest who's about to predict a whole bunch of other stuff, and uh, it's going to be the most terrifying review of of our future that you've ever. It's going to be a dark fate, but it'll have a lot of hope. I don't know. Maybe it won't. <laughs> but. It's going to be interesting uh, because we're going to tell you, we're going to predict predict the future using AI in the next few minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Marketing Geeks. I'm Andro Sturgeon. And I'm Justin Womack. Here we go. Marketing Geeks. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, all right. Welcome everybody to the show. Uh, we have we have quite an interesting guest uh, here because uh, this guest is a world-renowned social sociobiologist. I said that wrong. She's going to correct me. I'm going to ask her to. Um, and she's a futurist, and uh, she shows how artificial intelligence-powered predictive models can predict future events with accuracy, like when someone will fall down or, or migration of, uh, people just, you know, there's a, the big migration of people. It's like the biggest ever with like 90% accuracy. And I'm sure she could predict a whole bunch of other stuff with her models. Ladies and gentlemen, Rebecca Costa. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, 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 um, did you predict that you would be on the show? Uh, I did not. I don't have a crystal ball. <laughs> oh man, man. Well, for, 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 well, you, you've got a pretty impressive resume. So for those uh, who don't know who you are, can you explain a little bit? Well, uh, I started out life as a sociobiologist, uh, which is a basically an evolutionary biologist looking at million year trends and then trying to use the million year trends and patterns to predict future um, uh, outcomes. And, uh, and I, you know, after college happened to land in what became Silicon Valley. So uh, I started working with the largest computing companies and so on and so forth. And I could see that 
uh, you know, we were going to be undergoing a major sea change thanks to um, the Internet and personal computing and and a deluge of data. But what's really interesting about the transition we've been in uh, is that we've generated so much data now that we're sort of overwhelmed by data. And it's gotten to the point where it's, you know, a creating um, a trillion dollar economic loss to the U.S. economy every year from data distraction. I mean, really, a trillion dollars is lost because we're, you know, looking at goofy things on YouTube. And uh, and so it's started started to backfire. And and the corrective course is artificial intelligence, which can get you to the data. But not only that, look for patterns and trends that our brains simply can't wrap around. You know, there's just too much too many data points. But when you have millions and millions of data points and you know what the first 1 million actions are, it's not too hard to predict what action will occur as, uh, you know, for the million and one uh, data point. So we have s collected so much information that it's become very, very easy now to uh, predict what the likely next thing is going to be. And so is, uh, uh, can I... Can I ask yeah, you the, the trillion about falling, you know, I, I that's the easiest one for people to grasp what I'm talking about is that we can now predict within 85 to 95 percent probability that you're going to trip and fall in the next three weeks. Hmm. And people go, no, you, that's impossible. And I go, well, no, because we now know that there's a three to five centimeter change in your normal walking gait. And that's the precursor to you tripping and falling. So, you know, in, in no time, uh, uh, people in Silicon Valley are working on a Fitbit type of device to put on your ankle that will ping your phone and tell you when you, your walking gait has changed and to what degree you're in danger of tripping and falling. And there's an example of, uh, you know, using predictive analytics to avoid a disaster. So with a, a trillion dollar loss um, that you're mentioning earlier, is that because of employee like productivity loss because people are distracted by um, by like you said YouTube videos and things like that that they're that they're searching for? Or how how does that how does that equate a trillion dollar loss to the economy? Well, it's it's really interesting because um, for a thousand years, every time communication you know got faster and we got data, we got more data and we got it faster it always translated into an economic uh, surge until we trans uh, transitioned from 3G to 4G. And even taking out the economic data from the global recession, uh, we see that economic growth uh, suddenly slowed. Now, that's kind of a weird thing because when you think about transitioning from 3G to 4G, suddenly downloading a movie on 3G, like a two-hour Netflix movie on 3G, would have taken 26 hours. Uh, when we made the move to 4G, suddenly we could download that movie in about five minutes. And now when we go to 5G, it'll be more like five seconds. Um, and so you would think that now with all that data that we would, that productivity would go, worker productivity would go up. But something really weird happened when we moved from 3G to 4G. We we departed from a thousand year history of economic growth to going backwards. We slid backwards in that transition. And so suddenly the, all that extra data became distracting and it, and it backfired and it's not as productive. And so it's going to be really interesting as we move to 5G, what happens? Did, it was the move from 3G to 4G just a blip or now, when we get all this massive amount of data that's going to be available on 5G, uh, you know, what's going to happen? Are, are we going to have even less economic growth? Are we going to go backwards because people are so distracted? It so happens that the transition from 3G to 4G happens to parallel when the first emails started being sent. And there's a lot of uh, studies that are showing that emails and video are so distracting that they're taking away from worker productivity and output. Yeah, I could I could see that because uh, um, right now I'm I'm watching um, some funny cat videos, so I, I don't even. I, I, what did you just say? <laughs> um, so so okay, there's there's a lot to unpack here because because um, 
you know, it's interesting. I, I went through my own kind of soul searching recently because I, I, uh, I have the ability to listen to books and podcasts at three and a half times speed. And I can simultaneously also uh, scan Reddit uh, while I'm doing that. So, um, you know, I can listen to a podcast and read uh, the news simultaneously. And I found that uh, after a while that although I was taking in a massive amount of information into my brain, it wasn't necessarily making me smarter or more productive. And uh, so I, I... I kind of changed my, my behavior patterns around that. Although I, I do find that draw, especially, you know, living here in the Netherlands and following what's happening in America. I can't, you know, it's like, it's like my favorite soap opera of all time, but, uh, but even still, it's like, there's, there's a lot of information floating about. So, and of course, you know, with predictive analysis, you have what happened with Cambridge Analytica. And, if, you know, for those of you who don't know, watch The Great Hack on Netflix. It's an amazing documentary that kind of breaks down uh, what happened. So did you know any of those cats from Cambridge Analytica? Did, were you, were you, have you done that type of work before? No, but I know other organizations that were doing similar work. You know, they were just one of many firms that kind of got called out. Uh, but everybody's working on on this stuff. And and the thing that I want people to really understand is all the data that's needed to predict human behavior is is in the public, uh, you know, stratosphere. I mean, people don't have to get into your private stuff to really be able to predict it. Um, people are shocked that in 2009, think about this, 2009 recorded future used just publicly available data to predict that Yemen was headed for upheaval and that the, and they predicted the Arab Spring was going to occur. Now, wow. why? Yeah, I, I mean, this is this is incredible, right? So does anybody talk about recorded future who does a lot of work now for the NSA and CIA? And you could imagine since they, you know, their predictions have been right on. But they're using, you know, quantum computing, really sophisticated AI algorithms, things that are, you know, beyond the reach of the person on Main Street. And so there are a lot of firms that are doing this and, and um Obviously, network communications has been really slow, but as we move to 5G, which has been designed specifically for machine-to-machine -machine communication, which 4G doesn't offer, uh, we're going to see this, you know, this move that the public may not be aware of. You know, people are not aware of how much predictive analytics is entering into decision making not only just in government and defense and 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 things like that but also in consumerism i mean you know amazon pretty much is tracking everything that you do how long you look at something what offers to make to you um to get you to take an action uh, in this case to buy something um you know and 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 even uh, by the way uh, and i'll give you a, a kind of a scary example which i think the new york times is you know, they interviewed me not too long ago, and they, they I think they're getting ready to do an article on this. But judges, judges in the United States are using um, AI algorithms to determine uh, arraignment guidelines. So like you so come in, yeah, and they basically look at your past criminal, your criminal past, your education, a number of markers, and uh, the judges are relying on these algorithms to decide what your arraignment terms will be, whether you can post bail, whether you're going to be in lockup, you know, how fast to put you on trial. All, all those things are, are being recommended by AI algorithms right now. So it's crept into a judicial system. And judges believe that by relying on these algorithms, they're able to eliminate their personal biases so that you don't get- Okay, now this, this freaks me out right here. Yeah, so you don't get bad court cases like Recently, there was a case where a guy was convicted of raping a, a woman, and the judge said, gave him a, I don't know, a several, just a few months in prison sentence, claiming that he came from a good family. So that's why he only gave him a few months. You know, you won't get the the idea is that you wouldn't get those kind of biases if you relied on um, AI-driven algorithms. Are you, are you talking about the convicted rapist known as Brock Turner? 
So I, just, I, I forget the guy's name. But it's, that's yeah. his name. Uh, so so uh, okay. Uh, now this th- this terrifies me because what we're talking about is basically thought crimes. I mean, we'll get to the point. I mean, it's inevitable that that there it's like uh, it's like Minority, Minority Report. Report. <laughs> yeah, that that people will could bust in your door and say, "Hey, we think that you're getting a little too subversive." Uh, you know, your thought crime is this. So we're, we're taking you in because the AI algorithm has told us this. And, and one of the things that freaks me out about, you know, AI is that we think that it's, it's like you turn it on and it just like learns, but you know, you got to program it on some level. So there's, there's bias, you know, I've, I've read a lot about how they've, you know, done these studies with uh, Google, but there's bias in AI just at the very offset of it. And it learns from its own biases, partly from what, how it's programmed. So, so how can we, you know, and then, and then of course you have China, which is starting to employ their own um, networks and, you know, there's of course social credit the, system. the social credit system and uh, uh, they have their own internet uh, the Saudi Arabia has their own internet. Uh, Russia is about to turn on their own internet. And, and, and so all of this stuff is like, we have all this data. We're not necessarily becoming better people. It's more a matter. It seems to me, it's more a matter of, of social control that it's being used for. So, I mean, what do you, what do you think of that? Well, I, I think that, you know, Per normal, the government is way behind technology and doesn't really have a full grasp of its meaning and isn't prepared to uh, change the laws and act quickly to uh, protect private citizens. You know, you mentioned the movie Minority Report. Um, You know, let's just take the case of Stephen Paddock. He was the shooter in Las Vegas that... uh, Kill you know the mass shooter that killed yeah. all those concert goers yep. and uh, created such a, a horrible tragedy. Um, you know we're we're really good at when these mass shootings happen, working backwards. And then as we start to work backwards, you know you could look at every news story and they say, oh my gosh, you know he was buying trying to buy tracer rounds that are better for shooting in the dark you know, the week before, and he bought 30 additional weapons, you know, two months before. And then six months before, some uh, psychiatrist who should have their license taken away put him on diazepam. But the fact is, is that his father was a, uh, uh, you know, a, a dangerous sociopath, and that's a heritable uh, quality. So, um, you know, anybody who has a history that has a, a father that was jailed for being a, a dangerous sociopath and committing, you know, having a lifetime of crime shouldn't be put on diazepam. Uh, but he was put on it six months beforehand. He sent his girlfriend away to the Philippines, sent her $100,000, told her not to come He'd back. He'd moved 21 times prior to the event. He, his gambling pattern was irregular. I mean, I could go on and on. I have 200 things that that we could have looked at that we could have said, this is a human being who is dangerous and reaching criticality. Now, okay, so what if we knew all that? Let's say we monitored all that and we understood all of that and and then he checked in to the Las Vegas hotel and he brought in a bunch of bags and he pulled out a gun and he broke the window and he pointed it at the concert goers, he still could have changed his mind. He could have taken the gun, put it away and said, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go get help. And we believe in that. In a free society, we believe you can change your mind. But unfortunately, with AI models, we're getting better and better at identifying people that have a 99.99999% probability of doing harm to others. And what we don't have is we don't have a judicial system that will acknowledge that and decide what to do about that. Yeah, and that's that's a that's a tough call because what you're talking about if you apply this to people and going in and stopping people is really I mean he's an extreme case, but you're talking about removing free will from the human being. If if the if predictive analysis cuz uh, look, on a long enough timeline, I'm going to uh, you're going to like go, "Oh yeah, that guy. I knew that was going <laughs> to happen." You know, I, I mean, it's it's it, we we are we human beings 
part of our our charm is the fact that we make mistakes and we can learn but, from but them and pick the ourselves thing up. We may be finding out. We may be finding out that free will, in and of itself, is an is an illusion. Now, can I ask a question? Because I'm curious about to to predict this. For instance, you would have to have access to like psychiatry records that are sealed, as far as I know. Um, I mean, aren't, aren't most medical records like under HIPAA compliance? Like, aren't those uh, not accessible by the government? And then also, you'd have to have like private data from the gun companies. You, there's a lot of like aggregate data here that's not publicly available that you'd need all this information under one blanket like data like gun source. Control would be, be a little helpful because I mean like for instance I mean the gun control issue is 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 a good one because you need a license to drive a car but you know it, anyone could just buy a gun and do this so so you would have to be able to control that as well yeah well you want you know like I said a lot of these records are public somebody mm -hmm. posts to a friend on Facebook hey yeah I just went to see my doctor and he put me on diazepam does anybody know about diazepam you know, maybe they maybe it's it's some record that's out there that maybe, you know, maybe applied for a job and they asked him if he was on any pharmaceuticals or he, he applied for insurance and he had to indicate uh, what he was on. I mean, I mean, a lot of, you know, we we unknowingly we put a lot of our data out there, you know, and, and so yeah. people can search. I mean, it really honestly, there's a bunch of search um uh, programs where you could just put your name in and uh, I think your age or something. And it, it lists everywhere you've lived in the past 10 years yeah. and your education level and all of this stuff. I'm always shocked. You pay, pay like $7 and all of a sudden all this data comes out. Now I'm a public figure, so I would expect that. But I put in uh, my kids and there was a ton of information about my kids and I, I was kind of blown away. Yeah, I mean, especially, you know, there there was recently the case where they found that serial killer by matching some of his relatives uh, through a database, and uh, they they were able to narrow yeah, it, was, it down. It was a genealogy database. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. so, you know, it's, an, it's, it's inevitable that all this... You know, you swipe your mouth and you're trying to look for your ancestors. You're not thinking that you're going into a criminal database to be checked against unsolved crimes. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons I haven't done it yet. I'll, I'll I'm I'm like tempted, but <laughs> you know, you know, look. I mean, the, the the funny thing is, is and this is this is the thing that that really concerns me, especially when you have a company like Facebook, which is really irresponsible with people's data, in my opinion. Uh, and it it has to do with the fact that that we don't know ultimately where this data will end up. I mean, when when back in the uh, in the Stone Age, when everyone had MySpace. Uh, that, you know, people were just feeding tons of data into that. And eventually when MySpace closed down and was sold and then sold again, it, it eventually ended up in the hands of an advertising company, which just mined it for data. That's all it did. And, and, uh, and, and so it, it, it's shocking to me. You're right. That people just give away their data and you can't help it. You use a card to swipe for anything. And, you know, I, I'm wearing a smartwatch right now. I just got it. And I believe me, I've been concerned about like, Where's that data ultimately going to go? That's, you know, tracking my sleep and my heart rate and where I go and tracking me. So, uh, you know, you, I can't think about it because otherwise I'm, I'm just going to go nuts. Well, I'm not smart speakers in all of our houses. So is it like 75% market saturation right now with smart speakers that are recording our voices? And I have one in this room right now. So well, you have smart appliances in your kitchen. You have smart speakers, you have Fitbits, you have cell phones, you've got smart meters uh, uh, that the electric electrical company has put up. I mean, you, you, you look, this idea, uh, people ask me a lot about data privacy. That train has left the station. There's, there's so, no conversation about it. You have no privacy. There, how do you think we catch criminals anymore? There are videos on, on uh, uh, video cameras on every building. And with 5G, there'll be antennas on every building. Yeah, um, and, and square and, block. I'm, I mean, it, think about smart cities. They're building a smart city in Toronto right now that has sensors in the sidewalks and all so, the building walls. So where where do you think that this is all going? I mean, you know, one of the things, you know, Justin and I, the way we, that we earn our living is is by here's where it's going. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable you feel. 
It doesn't, you know, people's feelings don't matter. This is the world that we live in. This is where the world is going. Sensors are monitoring everything. There is no data privacy. You have no privacy. All the data is being, being accumulated to be able to predict uh, actions. And it would be nice if we used it productively and in a, in a smart way to prevent harm being done, which we do in data intelligence in the NSA and CIA. You know, they try to use that data to stop bad actors. They don't get all of them, but we're getting better and better, you know, at, at looking at patterns. We look at credit card patterns. We look at cell patterns. Who are you calling? How often are you calling? When are you calling? All, all of these things add up to pointing a direction into a potential harm. But we don't have laws to stop people that could be potential bad actors for the earlier reason that you were pointing out. We're a society that believes in free will. Yeah, the, the, redemption. We believe in free choice, but that may be an illusion. You know, yeah, Actually, and you are a creature of habit more than you realize. Well, well, this is this is the thing because because you mentioned you know stopping bad actors, but the the thing that terrifies me more than that is stopping people who use this type of data to do things like sway elections or. Uh, try to create alternative narratives to you know something that's happening. So we so we are complacent with the answers that we're given. Uh, that that and I, I feel that that about manipulation. Yeah, which I think is far more of a of an issue than you know catching the bad guy. I think manipulation is ultimately if you have that type of technology to stay to to keep people pacified and to stay in power of course people are going to use that well i i i believe that manipulation is a danger right and there's really very few legal means to stop manipulation you know we we have a hard time putting uh, cult leaders in jail <laughs> so yeah. But right. they got R. Kelly. They got R. Kelly. So right. I mean, it, it it's it's yeah. But any prosecutor will tell you that's a tough road. Hmm. Yeah, that's a tough so, road. And so, how do consumers protect themselves from manipulation? In your in your opinion, is it just to avoid certain technologies, avoid social networks? Like, what what is your? How do you think people need to protect themselves from this manipulation? Well, I don't think you can protect yourself from everything, but you can make yourself aware that everything is commerce driven. Right. And yeah. and that ultimately, uh, you know, you need time to uh, turn off your devices, your computers. You know, you weren't designed to look at a screen all day and and interact with uh, electronic devices so much as nature designed you to be a pack dwelling organism. Um, and, you know, you need to understand what that really means. I mean, technology may be evolving, but humans in terms of their biological need, what makes them happy, what makes them feel fulfilled. Um, you know, you're in the Netherlands and that's always the United Nations does studies and that's always one of the happiest places on earth, right? It's not Disneyland. It turns out it's the, it's the, uh, it's Netherlands and, and Switzerland. And you have to ask yourself why, and it's been studied, you know, people are not as lonely. The, lone, the countries where people report feeling isolated and the most lonely also tend to be those that are most technology focused. Hmm. That's yeah, that's really that's really interesting. So let me ask you, what do you where, where where do you think that this is ultimately leading us as a species? Well, I think there's always correction. You know, we we overshoot and then we we come back to something that's normal. I think right now the big danger, and I'll just I'll just speak about developed nations like the United States, is that you know we have a massive a massive rise in suicide rates and uh, you know antidepressants are I think the fastest growing uh, pharmaceutical in the United States. I mean we have a a growing unhappy population now that shouldn't be the case. Our standard of living has gone up according to. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you take care of food and clothing and housing, and people should 
you know, uh, eventually uh, focus on a sense of belonging, meaning in life, so on and so forth. But that, but Maslow's hierarchy of needs just seems to not be working. Mm, it it yeah. turns out that the standard of living globally has gone up and people are more unhappy and miserable and depressed and suicidal and violent than ever before. So we have to really look at, you know, what is the best use of technology? We're, we're you know, we're like uh, cavemen who just discovered fire and we're, you know, turning the forest on fire. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, it's like a bomb went off. We can't handle it yet. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I could tell you distinctly what my experience has been since I moved here and got out of the system that is America, uh, and and how it's changed my life, and in in that sense, and I can I can pinpoint exactly why I wasn't happy while I was living there, and what has made my life better living here. And there is a standard of living that has to do. You're right. Number one, like everyone goes out in groups here. It's very, very social, but it's also a small country. But uh, interestingly enough, you know, I pay 40, almost 50% in taxes. However, my health insurance is super, super low. And my son is going to a school that I would have to pay $8,000 a year to send him to in the States. And uh, everybody is educated. Everybody speaks English. And uh, there's, you know, bicycle paths everywhere. The, the trains I take are run on free energy. Um, so it's, it, it, I mean, that has something to do with it for sure. Uh, but also there, there is definitely uh, a, a certain laws that keep people's privacy intact and people don't have to work, you know, 60 hours a week just to get by that. That's a, another component of it. I mean, there's depressed people here and, and everything, uh, but like anywhere else. But I think that, that that you're right in in the system that has been created in America, uh, and what it, what it feels like to me. Correct me if 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 you think I'm off base here, but it feels like part of this predictive technology. What it's really doing is it's the people who can afford to use it on other people, uh, mostly large companies, are using it in a way that is is for control mostly. And and the reason why they need to control more people is because people are not happy with the, the status quo. So so in where where do you see like how do you see this changing our society globally in the next like 10 to 15 years? Well, I think that the, the information divide it will create a predatory environment. I think that's what you're speaking to, where those who have information will have the upper hand. And that is already beginning to happen as we see in election results, right? Starting with Obama's use of social media and, um, you know, and, and now all the analytics that, that tell a, that lay out for a candidate where to go, what to say. Um, but there's kind of a reverse engineering going on, right? Um, if I know what you'll buy, I go and make what you'll buy. And I only show you the things that you'll buy. So the example that I use is for a while on Amazon, I only picked like um, uh, blue things, blue shower curtains and blue sweaters and blue everything. And then I noticed Amazon just started sending me everything blue. Interesting. Right. Hmm. And yeah. yeah, yeah. And and because they were going, oh, yeah, she her, she has a preference in color. So they started sending me, you know, a lot of blue things. I just did this as a test under a different email. How, how long, how long did that, did you do that for? I'm just curious. Like, what long. was the timetable? Let me okay. tell you, not long. And that was the, that was the uh, aha moment for me. It, it's very interesting that they're, that, that they're feeding back to me what my preference already is. So that kind of begs the question of if you're never putting pe things in front of people, that they might not otherwise consider, what happens, right? I mean, what, what happens to your choice, choices narrowing, your growth, your opportunity to try something new? Yeah, right. and, that, and that kind of, like, you hear that on Facebook, you hear about people being put into echo chambers. Like, we, we've been hearing that a lot. Like, you're, you're feeding people what they already know, and you're, you're kind of killing the diversity of uh, knowledge, diversity of opinion, diversity of of number of different things because you're, you're giving people what they already are liking to hear. Like you're, you're giving them what's pleasing to them instead of giving them a realistic view of all the different 
things that are out there. Yeah. So how, how do you exactly, see that? But, but think about media. People are either listening to CNN or they're listening to Fox News and they yeah. only want to listen to those people who share their opinions. They get in chat groups with people who share their opinions. And pretty soon we're just mirroring back ourselves everywhere we turn, whether it's the media, whether it's a chat room, whether it's, you know, uh, the way that we dress, we're, our, our choices that were offered by online retailers. I mean, pretty soon we're just, I don't know, we're just reflect, we're reflecting back our taste. But I'll tell you what, there's no growth in that. Wow, you, you, that makes sense, because I was wondering why everyone around me is so smart and good looking. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also seems like that's part of the reason that it feels like like in America, it feels like it's more divisive culturally, too, because people step outside of that and they do get exposed to other opinions outside of the Internet world. And it seems like it's more shocking now because, like, they're so used to everybody being on the same page as them. So when they actually do hear something different, it seems like it's become more of a, like, black and white, like everybody's kind of chosen a side. And, and it's like there's no nego no negotiation anymore happening. Yeah, tribalism. Yeah, tribalism, more tribalism is on the rise. Yeah. And, 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 and what yeah, tribalism is on the rise. But tribalism, you know, isn't anything unusual. We've been designed as a tribal species you know, to defend each other, to but rely it's weaponized. On That's the problem is that the tribalism has been weaponized now in order to force uh, power positions, essentially. And and that's the, you know, going from, you know, China's social system all the way to the way that current politics are, are being run in, in, in America and the way that uh, geopolitical opinions are being formed. It's it, it's it's ter that that's the thing that's terrifying to me. So for me, the only thing that that gives me hope is that at some point AI will be leveraged to go. Okay, you know what? We have to start working together as a species to solve problems rather than to fight each other. And if we can look at each other as, okay, we're all humans, no one's going anywhere. Let's, you know, go to Mars together. Uh, let's clean up the environment together. And let's look at each individual person as a resource. I think that, that then we can start really growing in, in that well, that's sense. Right. But, but to do that, and you know, this is why I, you know, uh, do podcasts like yours to do that. We have to really have a commitment to facts and science. We have to decide we want to be a society that elevates scientists rather than the Kardashians. Well, how do, how do you do that when people are like flat earthers and anti-vaxxers and, well, but, you know, you can't blame the flat earthers. You know, we created a climate for the flat earthers to exist. We created a society where that's valid and it's acceptable. What we need is a society that is more dependent on uh, machine learning and machine data rather than people's opinions and their un, un, uh, you know, unsupported beliefs. We're a society that right now can't tell the difference between a fact and a belief. And yeah. that's, a, that's dangerous. In my first book, The Watchman's Rattle, I, t I talk about the, the demise of earlier civilizations. They all reached this tipping point where there was a mass confusion between what was an empirical fact and what was an unproven belief or an opinion. And we're making that dangerous turn right now where all systems become irrational, fundamentally irrational when you can't distinguish an empirical fact from an, an opinion. Yeah, and so and so the, and this is this is the point um that that I think is very interesting, especially living in this time, because I think that that ultimately that's going to be the thing where we're collectively we're going to have to make a choice about our own collective free will, like where we collectively are going to go as a species, because if we don't make this next step, we are not going to survive. We're going to you know, it's uh, it's the, the Fermi paradox. We won't make it through the great filter. But but uh, the so the question I, I have then is uh, where what with have you done any uh, like predictive analysis on uh, where climate geopolitics and technology will intersect into uh, into the next sort of incarnation of where we're going? Or is it are we just watching Rome burn and we might as well just get some popcorn and 
enjoy the show and go to the movies. <laughs> I'm not going to suggest watching Rome burn. Although, <laughs> although the folks in California are effectively looking at utility lines that are causing the whole state to burn up. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're moving, we're quickly in, in record time moving from global warming to global burning. I don't even want to say global warming anymore. Um, and, and part of the reason I don't want to call it global warming uh, is that warming is a friendly term. And as a, you know, as an evolutionary biologist, I will tell you that you're, you're biologically not designed to respond to long-term threats. You're only, you know, if I, if I tell you about climate change uh, and, and all the horrors of it, uh, your heartbeat doesn't even go up one uh, extra beat an hour. Oh, uh, uh, mine does. <laughs> Whenever I think about Bolsonaro and in the well, Brazil, I go crazy. That's atypical. But reality is if I throw a snake down on your desk, you know, your body is designed to be flood with chemicals and and, uh, you know, you immediately go into fight or flight. So I think that to the extent that we understand that we're now moving into global burning, um, you know, that that uh, that's, you know, that's what's going to happen. Now, is it too late to turn things around? I'm of the opinion it is. Hmm. So then what what is what does it look like in the next 15 to 20 years? What what, what kind of future does my son? So, I mean, but but is there a possibility that that perhaps we might come to our senses and we might go, oh, you know what? Actually, we can use AI to determine that, uh, you know, as the Buddhists say, if one person is starving, we are all starving. And so AI will say, okay, well, we say that uh, we know that in this particular area, these people are starving and the supply chain that you're particularly using is forcing that to happen. By you eating Nutella, you're making the Amazon burn, right? By you eating at McDonald's, you're making the Amazon burn by the meat that you're eating or the, the stuff that's being processed or the plastic that's going into the ocean. Is, is there, do you see that we might be able to use this technology to bring awareness to our own actions. So instead of being manipulated, we can go, oh, I'm actually empowered with this technology so I can turn the dial two degrees. And then that person in India is no longer starving. That little girl in Pakistan now can have an education, which is going to have a ripple effect by me not using this plastic. Uh, I'm cleaning up the ocean just a little bit. Or by me volunteering three days a year, I can help on these grander scales. Will we be able to use this technology to switch the dial at some point? Or is it, do you see it's just like, that's it for us? Well, it's a complex question. You know, we spent three million years developing a frontal cortex that occupies about a third of our brain. And that frontal cortex is what allowed us to you know, climb to the very top of the living pyramid here on earth, right? And mm -hmm. why? Because it allows us to make rational decisions like postponing gratification and doing thought experiments about what would happen in the future, you know, as a result of our actions. And so it, it can alter our actions in the present. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that that frontal cortex was good for and allowed us to, you know, dominate the, uh, the rest of the living world. Um, but, you know, let me, let me put it this way. Have you ever eaten a donut? Uh, no. What's that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've eaten one or two. Why? Cause they're yummy. Well, but there's nothing good about a donut for your body. I know, that's why I don't eat them anymore. It's sugar, it's grease, it's carbohydrates. You know, you, you shouldn't be eating a donut under any circumstance. Why'd you do it? Because they're like a drug, they're short-term gratification. And I didn't know better at the time. Well, are you saying you're never going to eat a donut again? You know better now. I probably won't, actually. And you won't have a beer? Uh, I'm allergic to alcohol, I have found. And I, I also fi find it, uh, I'm going to be so hippie here, but I find it such a lower vibrational drug that when I uh, ingest it, I just can feel my whole energy my, my, and life force my, my, dropping. I my point. My point is you do a lot of things you shouldn't do. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> right? You know better. You know better. Maybe you buy, buy something, a car you really can't afford, but it's the cooler car. 
Maybe you eat a donut. You should never eat a donut. There's there's no rational reason to ever eat a donut or a cookie. Uh, you know, I mean, you do a lot of things that you, you you probably shouldn't do. You've got the data, you've got the information, but you do them anyway. So it's a complex question that you ask. You say, hey, we have this technology that could solve these problems. We have the advanced information. We have AI. We can do models of what the coastlines are going to look like, What you know, in, in the next five and 10 years as uh, global burning takes hold, you know? We can, we can, we can do these AI models and, and they're pretty, you know, they're getting more and more accurate. Yeah, the earlier projections weren't exactly right and everybody gets, you know, uh, stuck on that. But, but, they're, but we're getting better. We're getting more accurate, those things. So what happens when we have all the data? Well, I'll tell you what's gonna happen. Either we're gonna pay attention to the data and change our behavior or we're gonna eat donuts. <laughs> well said. Well, well, I mean, I mean, and this, that's, that's the thing that I find interesting because like, for instance, um, my wife and I just made a choice recently where we have decided, uh, not to take my son to McDonald's ever again, because he loved it. Of course, it's like designed for, for children, but we went there and, and everything is like prepackaged in plastic and the toy is like plastic. And we, you know, the toys are just going to end up in landfill. The plastic wrap is going to end up in landfill. The, the, the meat is grown in the Amazon, you know, which is being burned for that meat. And when I, when I put it together, when I just looked at this plate of, of, quote food unquote it it was like this this isn't good and so we had a chat with them and we were just like look man we're never going to mcdonald's again you and know we're just your child respond uh well <laughs> you know he was just more like why but i broke it down into like well you know the mermaids don't like the plastic and hey, you uh you just sentenced him to like 25 years of therapy as an adult oh man I, i'm sure he's going to go to more therapy than that uh yeah like that, everybody everybody else got you know little toys and got to go to mcdonald's as a special treat but my parents were worried about the amazon burning yeah and the well, he, plastics i i mean look Look, there's no easy answers everything's connected to everything else you know sure. you try to go through one day and not throw away any plastic and so, it's it's harder than you think yeah it's totally it's really when you it. say it's uh, when you said earlier it's it's probably too late to reverse climate change global warming global burning whatever you want to call it by the way yeah. i, I want to be sure everybody listening knows that is just an opinion is that is that also because like you're looking at the predictive analytics regarding like the way that human culture is evolving and that you just don't see that there's a way that we would all come together and take a stand see, against it in time? Is that, I don't is that also... see that human behavior will change fast enough. That's yeah, I, I could I could that makes sense that, to me that, when you bring it in that's that. That's a tough nut. That's a tough yeah. nut. You know, and it, it is kind of interesting because I, I also feel, though, that that we also have a, a, the ability to collectively switch something quickly, like the way the Berlin Wall just kind of came down because it was like, well, this does, just doesn't work. And it just, you know, the Arab Spring is the same sort of thing where, where, you know, there may be a point where Facebook is just suddenly a ghost town because people are just like, you know what, this sucks and there's a new technology and it just stops or people just collectively go, we're going to stop patron being a patron of this particular uh, industry like Amazon, because we suddenly collectively know it's not good for the environment. And so Amazon either has to change its business practices or it goes out of business. Well, and so well, I will tell you, you know, that the one thing I'm a bit of a historian myself, and I will tell you that the one thing we do know that is um, the essential ingredient to changing human behavior, and that is critical mass. Yeah. Once, yeah. once you tap into critical mass, you can change be human behavior. And there's always hope that that could happen. I mean, the United States did not get out of the Vietnam War until Dan Rather brought uh, you know, news footage of the Vietnam War right into people's living rooms. Mm. And once that happened, mothers and fathers got out in the street with their kids and protested. And that's how we got out of the Vietnam War. Same with civil rights. Yeah, Until exactly. Critical mass and people were out in the street, uh, you know, uh, protesting. Uh, so you have to have critical mass to have social change. And uh, and until you have that critical mass, there cannot be any. So if you you know, this is where I, I kind of part company with uh, a number of my um, climate change enthusiasts who look down their 
knows that the flat earthers and the the Donald Trump supporters and you know the, and the Rick Perry's of the world, you know, they they want to judge them and call them names and all that. And I'm and I'm I'm going, hey, that's not the way you build critical mass. The way you. Oh, build I don't know. I, I, I'm more than happy to call. You must recruit, not alienate. Yeah, but I, I I'll call uh, I'll call Rick Perry an idiot any day of the week to his face even. <laughs> I'm, you know. um, well, I would rather I would rather recruit Rick Perry. Well, yeah. I have a I have a question though because uh, one of the things that you've done in your career also that we haven't really talked about is you you worked with companies like Hewlett Packard, Apple, Oracle, and you you were using technology to come up with disruptive trends. Do you see anything to disrupt Facebook or Amazon like on the forefront or is that just like not there yet? Like what, what would you say in, in those regards? Do you see those companies ever being disrupted in the near future? I do. Uh, this is where, you know, I was talking about 5G a little bit earlier. 5G is going to allow machines to talk to other machines. And so it won't be so much people talking to people on a Facebook or a Google. Um, and so I, I, I kind of think that their time will come probably uh, not, not immediately, but probably in four or five years. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. You hear that little squeaking in the background. I have a, I I've adopted a, a four month old pup. Oh, how cute. Yeah. What, what yeah, kind? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I uh, am trying to keep him from uh, jumping all over the computer here. <laughs> I, I was just, I was just telling uh, Justin that I read on uh, Facebook, someone actually made a mock laptop that they put on their desk for uh for their cat to sit on i need that mock computer and i need a couple of mock arms and hands and legs oh that's <laughs> machines talking to machines how, how does that work to disrupt facebook i i just i'm not making the connection in my mind right now so can you can you just kind of explain how machines talking to machines will be um disrupting the way that humans talk to humans on social media and like why that's different it's a little bit different in that we're going to buy, you know, humans are usually many times the middleman, you know, mm -hmm. between machines and machines. So uh, to give you an idea, like, uh, let's say that you and I are both in autonomous cars mm -hmm. and uh, I'm on, the, you know, I'm telling my autonomous car, hey, you know, I, I've changed my mind. I want to stop by my house, pick up a jacket before I head to the theater or something along those lines. It's interesting that when 5G uh, comes into um, existence, that the autonomous car will be talking to other autonomous cars and and will be talking to traffic direction signals, right? So yeah. it will be anticipating where the traffic is, how long it will take. It will be telling the cars to the left or right, hey, I have my 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 passenger changed their mind. I'm moving a, a, you know one car ahead of you. Um, they're all the cars moving on the road are going to be talking to each other. It won't be going through me to tell my friends, hey, I'm going to stop by and pick up my coat. Uh, and a lot, you know, as soon as I tell my car, I'm going to stop by and pick up my coat. It would immediately notify my friends who are also in autonomous cars. Hey, Rebecca's running five minutes late, according to traffic and, uh, you know, between here and her house in the theater uh, she'll be there in five minutes. Uh, she's running a little late. She's going to pick up a jacket. Hmm. And now, I won't now, call them or anything. My car will let them, will notify them on their little cell phones or devices. Now, this is, this is something that, that I actually, this is exactly where I think that we have hope as, as a human species, because what I see as a possible outcome to our time is that there comes a moment when uh, basically everybody collectively is like, you know what? The money financial system is really screwing the planet. And we can switch to Bitcoin collectively in just a few weeks, right? Because all merchants would just have to start taking, maybe not Bitcoin, but some other cryptocurrency, uh, which kind of changes how the finances are. If all of a sudden 5G, there was a 5G network that was completely free for every single person on the planet, that was unfiltered, governments wouldn't be able to censor and we wouldn't have to worry about paying for our phone bill or internet bill. We can uh, use AI to collectively see in real time what's happening with the environment, how what I'm doing is affecting the environment and people around me using certain AI algorithms. And if all of these things were switched into place, like using, using uh, um, blockchain for voting, for instance, so we can see when I cast a vote, I can see exactly where my vote goes and how it's, how it's counted. 
And and yeah, so it really does need to be in place for blockchain to work. And there's no reason we couldn't use blockchain in voting. You're absolutely right. Oh, it, it, a, it needs to happen. It's a secure, immutable ledger. And I'm just using that as as a list of one of the technologies that are available to us. You know, if if there was a smart grid on in in every single neighborhood in America, we would no longer need to you know fight wars that involved getting oil, right? Because we have free energy. So so my 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 point here is that there there what I see as a possibility when we are really faced, we are right now at this time faced with the fact that. Uh, you know, even the immigration crisis that's happening in America, it's happening because people can't grow food anymore because of of the the, the way that the, the the climate is burning, as you say. Uh, so people they have to move in order to feed their families. So what what I see is is a situation where we're using technology and we're using this data to suddenly switch how we are interacting with each other and the world, and that could happen almost instantly. And when that happens. We can start building together rather than fighting each other for resources. I I feel optimistic the way that you do, but what I uh, what I think has to happen is we have to have leadership that uses the data. Yeah, mm-hmm. instead and of understands the technology, you have to have governance <laughs> that understands technology yeah. and understands how to use the data for more than just gaining power. And manipulating people, absolutely, but for doing good, you know, for for solutions. And so, once we have leadership that's that's taking this the the technological advantages that we've developed and converting those into assets for the greater good, then we have we've made a true transition. Yeah, and I think it's we I don't think it's have that leadership. Yeah, but I think I think everybody's asking for it, and a lot of the protests and a lot of the anger that is, um, you know, in in the world, like, you know, the 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 the, the way that people are suddenly, uh, I read a lot of Reddit, and people are really mad about like Jeffrey Epstein, like this is a travesty. They're mad about how how they feel like they're getting ripped off, and they're being forced to live a, a lifestyle that they're not really happy with. This is what's what's causing uh, a lot of the depression. And I think I think that there's going to be a moment when people collectively will just have had enough and there'll be a solution available that people will just jump to. And and I I see that as our next incarnation um, as a human race. I actually am very hopeful for this time, but we need to go through this in order to have that awakening. And then everyone needs to do ayahuasca and then we'll be like, <laughs> super. We'll throw so, that in there. okay. Uh, we, we've got to wrap up the show, but I've got, I've got, uh, um, one, one last question. And this isn't, I just, I just want to know on the predictive analysis, like not taking any size, just the data, who's going to win the election. Uh, you really put me on the spot. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's just, you, you ran the thing just like wh- whatever. I mean, it's, it, you're not taking a side. It's not your opinion. It's just from the predictive analysis that you've run, the models that you've run through the various people that, you know, what, who, who, who do you think is going to win? I, I think, I think Trump is going to win personally. Well, for you don't what? have to answer that question, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you the answer. The answer is it's too early to tell because mm-hmm. There are too many moving parts right now, and because of this impeachment uh, issue, uh, and that that is an issue. So uh, I think there are too many moving parts right now to make any kind of prediction. Um, I, I think it's you know it, it's unfortunate that uh, every every election period I always hope for a benevolent leader. You know, I hope that some benevolent leader that can inspire our imagination and inspire us to take action uh, in in a correct way for the greater good will will, you know, will take the throne. Um, But, you know, we just uh, we just haven't had that for many, many decades. And so, you know, my hope is that uh, either Donald Trump will uh, emerge and uh, grow as a benevolent grow into uh, becoming a benevolent leader. Um, and that has happened. You know, we, we've all uh, throughout history seen uh, leaders transform. 
Over yeah, time. I don't think that's going to happen this time, but, uh, <laughs> but we can cross our fingers. But, but as Kurt Vonnegut once said, the fundamental problem with American democracy is that only a madman would actually want to be president. Um, so, um, okay, uh, we're going to wrap up the show, but where, where can we find you, uh, what you're doing? Tell us about the new book that's coming out. Well, uh, the easiest way to, uh, see podcasts or, uh, uh, television interviews that I've done, it would be to go to our website, which is www.rebeccacosta.com. That's our we'll link. In the, in the description. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and the new book that I have out is actually on predictive analytics and how it's affecting society. It's called on the verge. On the verge. And, and, and give us the thesis of that book real quick. Well, it, it really talks specifically about how predictive analytics is allowing us to know exactly what is going to occur in the future. And it's no longer a guessing game and gives a number of examples of how our predictions are getting more and more accurate and what the ramifications of, of that accuracy are. Wow, it sounds really interesting. And uh, are you going to be doing any speaking engagements or anything uh, coming up? I, I am. I'm, I'm doing uh, a documentary with uh, CNN that's coming up. Uh, and I think there's a couple of other speaking engagements. People can just look in our, on our calendar on our website. Again, that's www.rebeccacosta.com. Well, we'll definitely check it out. We would love to have you on the show again. This was uh, scary, amazing, and uh, I feel uh, depressed and hopeful all at the same time. Uh, well, maybe, we can get, maybe we can get an election prediction once we figure out the impeachment issue and the Democratic candidate and all that. So, well, <laughs> yeah. let's, circle, let's circle back and do a show on that. Oh, I'd love, I would love that. Well, here on Marketing Geeks, before we leave, we uh, always like to talk about what we're most geeky about. Uh, could be a TV show, could be an app, could be a movie, a book, a magazine, a hobby. What are you most geeky? I mean, you got a little puppy right now, so that that's probably, you know, that. But uh, yeah, I mean, is it, what are you most geeky about in the world right now? I'm most geeky about the puppy. He's, yeah. He, he's, he's, got, he's got my attention 24-7. What's his name? His name is Mr. Mr. Costa. Mr. Costa. <laughs> Mr. Costa. <laughs> Dr. the Mr. Love oh, right. right I, on. I, Justin, what do you I promise you I named him that just so I could sit in the lobby of my vet, veterinarian, and have them call Mr. Costa. I love it. I love it. Justin, what are you most geeky about right now? Well, I guess uh, since we're talking about AI in the future, I just saw Terminator Dark Fate, and it was terrible. Oh, oh that's my that's my one word review. Terrible. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. That it was. Too bad. I was really. I was I, really I, had. I, I held out hope. Do it. I held out it's, hope. I was not uh, pleased. The predictive models say it's going to lose a hundred million dollars. So I did see that. Yes. Bombed in China, and that was like their one hope was China, and it bombed in China. So. Man, uh, I, I just got myself uh, a copy of this game called Rocksmith, which is kind of like Guitar Hero, but you use a real guitar. And uh, I've been jamming out to uh, not well, but, you know, I've been I've been like learning Pink Floyd tunes and it's really great. I'm, I'm terrible. I'm never going to be a good guitarist, but hey, it's uh, it's fun. And I get to play guitar and finally and rock out. So got one uh, word for you. Practice. Yeah. Yeah. Practice. It's, it, I thought it was luck. And the more I practice, the, the luckier I get. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. We, uh, we really, really appreciate it. And, uh, uh, Rebecca Costa, everybody go check out her website, RebeccaCosta.com. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for, uh, all of that. That was, that was, are you, are you more hopeful or, or, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I heard that like we have no hope, um, but then I heard a little glimmer of hope at the end. So, you know, I'm uh, I think I'm not really sure what to think about how hopeful I should be or not be. Yeah. Well, well, if they make another Terminator movie, maybe, <laughs> maybe you should abandon all hope. Well, all I know is that next time they make a Terminator movie, I'm going to be applying predictive analytics and figuring out whether or not it's worth my time or not. <laughs> oh, I could have told you it's not worth your time before I even, I just saw the trailer. <laughs> what about Avatar? Should I be, should I be using this for the Avatar sequels or should I trust James Cameron in the director's chair? I mean, because he blew it in the producer's chair. Has he still got it in the director's chair? That's the question now. Oh, man. You know what? Uh, he also, remember, he did, uh, he produced Attila Battle Angel. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. Which I didn't see yet. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that the first, uh, the next Avatar 2 is going to come out, and then it's going to be a dark time in America because we've got four more of those suckers. 
<laughs> right behind it. So <laughs> only three more. No, we have we have after the second one, we only have three more. We have four total. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, uh, we'll, if if it sucks, we'll give you a spoiled review, like we did uh, with our Terminator. Please listen to it. Yes, yes, yeah, you can absolutely. We can promise that. Unfortunately, it doesn't come out till December twenty twenty one. However, I think we will have a Star Wars review coming up this year. I think we will do that one. Oh, most definitely, <laughs> most definitely. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, another fine episode of the marketing geeks we've got uh uh some really great guests coming up no I, I liked this interview we did today because we didn't actually get that much into marketing today and that's okay because we talked about technology and the ai behind marketing efforts we talked about amazon we talked about facebook disruption it's relevant well i think i think that uh we can assume that uh we will all be replaced by t800s no, 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 no. T, whatever, whatever the hybrid T1000, T800 endoskeleton, that one, that's what we'll be replaced with. Are they going to do my marketing job? <laughs> not by Skynet, by Legion. By Legion. Oh, by Legion. Are, are, are they going to, are they going to, like, do our, our podcast for us? Because, oh yeah, you can, you can absolutely believe it. They'll be doing our analytics. They'll be, they'll be showing our, uh, our Marketing Geeks podcast to only those that love our brilliance and can appreciate us for how amazing we really are. It might, uh, might make a listener that will create another listener that will create another listener that will love the show even more. <laughs> so we'll still have seven listeners, but they're going to be seven very, very engaged ones. That's right. <laughs> and with that, stay classy. <laughs>